Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Quaybog Church podcast. At the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check us out on Facebook. That way you'll have access to fresh content every week. But most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey because our mission here at Quaybog is to help you worship, connect, and serve. Enjoy! So control the lead, right? We're in this new series now, starting off a new year. So I'll ask you, how many of you have ever had, have been forced to, I should say, hit control the lead on your computer, <clears throat> right? Because when you do that, when you have to hit those buttons, why are you doing that? Because something is frozen, man. Something's not working right. It's like you're, you're stuck. Either your computer is stuck or like a program is stuck. Something is not working right. And as I was thinking at the end of this year and kind of looking ahead of the new year, I know a lot of people, they're thinking in this way, and I think rightly so, I think it's good to take advantage of the new year and be like, all right, so how's this year going to look, what's planning, and, and those kind of things are good, but uh, this here, though, I think is something that uh, I, I hear people saying about their relationship with God, like, I've talked to a lot of people lately who just want to know how to connect with God, like, how do, I, how do you access, you know, the eternal one, how do you connect with God, the Creator? And the idea has come up several times lately of there's just got to be more than what's going on here. Like, I need, I don't know, I need this reset in my soul. And so when I was having conversations like that, I thought, yeah, I think that's pretty common to a lot of us. That there's, like, there's something inside of us that knows this isn't right, this is not all that there is, and there's got to be something else. And so, they're like, how do I, how do I hit the reset button on my soul? So that's where this, this came from. So this series, just to be clear, is not about... It's not a self-help series. It's not how to have the, you know, the most impactful 2024 ever. And it's not, you know, setting your, and crushing your goals this year. Like, I'm not doing that because that's not my main concern. Like, I want you to have good goals. But my main concern is, is how do you get to know Jesus better? And as I talk at Christmas Eve, how do you grow in that journey with him? Because if you were to boil down um, God's desire, God's goal for us, It'd be three things. I've just I've seen in scripture, and I just I know to be true in my own journey. First and foremost is that God wants to be known by you, right? And that happens. The reason we celebrate Christmas, the reason we have church, the reason we do Easter, is because it's not just Christmas, but it, the the Easter story says I want to be known by you, and I want you to know that you are known by me, right? And so there's like this back and forth. There's this two way road that God says I want to be in relationship. So, and that happens through Jesus. Number two is that He wants that relationship to be transformative. That's the hard part. Right? Accepting Christ as your Savior and being like, okay, Lord, I, I trust you enough to know that I can't do this life or the next on my own and I need a Savior. And that's who you say you are. Someone put my trust in that. But then to say, okay, now I'm going to let that relationship change me and that's going to be transformative. That's tough. So knowing God and being known by Him, number one. Number two goal is that that relationship transforms you. Number three, the last two things Jesus said on earth, if you're a Christian, Go and share this hope. Go and share the gospel with people. So it's pretty, pretty boiled down, but that's really what we see in the Bible. Those three things, right? And so in order to be able to step into that, that relationship, how do we do that? So what I want to do is take three Sundays. Uh, I'll be taking the first one. Tim's going to be taking the second one, and I'll be back doing the third one. But first one today is controlling your mindset. Because every decision that you make um, has to be a decision, right? You can't just do things, you've got to think through them first. And so any, anything worth doing in life, any journey that you've been on, it's going to start with a decision to do that. So that's what we're going to talk about today is if we're really wanting to know God and we really want to explore this relationship with Him, 
there's some choices first that, that have to be made. We gotta get we gotta get in control of this thing. But then Tim's gonna talk about like the actionable things, right? Altering the things that we're doing because again, if you're wanting to know God better, which I hope you do, like and that's again why a local church exists like this is to help you. Then what do you need to actually do? He'll talk some about that. And then the third Sunday is going to be deleting the unnecessary. Because again, if you're really wanting to pursue God, there might be things that you need to let go. Like they could be relationships. They could be old habits. They could be old ways of thinking that are just destructive and toxic for you. There's a lot of things that I know if I want to get better, I need to delete. Like right now during Christmas for a month, I've been eating Christmas cookies. Because I'm a nice guy, and I eat the cookies that people make for me, right? I'm just a humble servant that way, right? And if they're in my house, I'm going to eat them because I, I'm nice. But at the end of the day, I feel like I've been eating cookies for a month straight, right? I've had a very fluffy Christmas, you might say. And that's kind of something i got to delete, right? So our souls are the same way. I was talking with somebody right after second service, and they were saying, yeah, I've been doing a lot of uh, spiritual cookie eating lately as well. And because for me... At the end of the year, there's been a lot that has this, made this series really personal for me because there's been, as I've asked, there's been a lot of hardship in our church. There's been a lot of difficulty. People, whether it's financial, whether it's sickness, it's like death, there's been a lot of that going on in our church family. And as I've mentioned in the past, there's been a lot of times where I found myself sitting in rooms or hospital rooms with no real answers. But, you know, I'm going to sit here and pray. I'm not going to give you cheap, fake answers because this is awful, what we're going through. And I don't have something easy to give you. I'll pray with you. We'll share some scripture. But, man, I, just, I found myself in a lot of those situations lately. And so we need to continue to pray for one another. But it's also uh, it's just in my own life of knowing that I've, I do – this has been a good month for me, but I do feel very just tired spiritually. And because I'm not – I'm out of my schedule – Right? I'm not doing the things physically that I'm normally doing in that schedule. I'm eating things that are way out of my schedule. And then on Christmas morning, my stepmom passed away. So it's like, you know, that's, there's the heaviness there of that. And so we're going back this week to be with her, but I'm coming into this new year and I'm realizing, man, like, I need a reset as well. Gosh, I just need to, like, uh, just feel the heaviness. Of my soul. And so this, I preach to myself just as much. Uh, this series is, is, again, it's a practical series with a deep dive into scripture of like, what does God say about just being in the journey? Because the journey is difficult. I know that you know that. Uh, if you've lived any amount of life, you know that the journey can be very difficult. And so growing in our relationship with him and our understanding of him is going to have to happen in that journey, in the difficulties and the ups and downs and the unanswered prayers and the, the questions that we don't have clear answers to, all that kind of stuff. So we'll try to hit these three things just to help us all, like when we feel that reset needs to happen, how do we do that? Based on just what God has said. That's, that's, hopefully it's very practical. But it, as we focus, though, today on, on this mindset thing, um, the, the pattern to this, just to be clear, is being in relationship with God through Jesus. So like, that's the first decision, I guess. That's the first like mindset thing. But then there's this thing that we're going to look at today of, changing the way that we think about stuff. And I hope you do know that the journey that you go on with God is, is not supposed to be done alone. So whether you're sitting here today, whether you're online watching, whatever, wherever you are with Jesus today, know that it was never meant to be alone, right? Like, it's meant to be done in community. And that's the cool thing about church. And it's meant to be done with God like, guiding that and kind of pulling you and tugging you. Because I, I bet if we went around and got testimonies from everybody about how you met Jesus and how you started that walk with God, 
everybody would say that there was like this kind of pulling, there was something that happened, and there was like a clear path as you look back that kind of led to that. And so I do believe that God does that. And it's like, again, we're not alone. We got him working on us. We got other people in the journey with us. And there's several places in Scripture that say, like, this is the point of my life. Like, this is what God wants specifically for you, right, in this journey, in this life that we have. And one of the, the places that I like to go that says specifically this is what God wants, it comes from a Scripture memory verse I did with Pastor Dean back when he was pastor here still. And what he used to do with me is he would take me out, and he was always drilling me to do Scripture memory. So I was always doing scripture memory with him. And then there was this other guy, Mike O'Donnell, that came into our life at that time. And we were running laps over at Tantasqua High School doing scripture memory together. And I thought, I'm not in boot camp anymore. Why am I being uh, chased around by this old guy? And he's making me recite scripture as we run around this track. But we were just, it was just a season where we had the time to do it. And so it was really cool, though. And one of the verses that were really early on that we did, it came out of 1 Thessalonians 4. And this passage talks specifically, it's like a, it's not just a guy's verse, but at the time there was a lot happening in our circles where this verse is really important because it's about sexual integrity. It's about not chasing after lust and not train wrecking your life because of sex and pornography and all that stuff. It's like you need to have some discipline in your life in this area. And so that's why we were, as guys, that's why we were doing it. But the very first part of this passage, it starts off with this. And it says, For this is God's will, your sanctification. Now, First Thessalonians is a, is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to Christians in Thessalonica. But sanctification is not a word that we use very often anymore. But sanctification basically means a process, a journey, of becoming more like God. That's all that means. So God's will for you, like I said earlier, is to be in relationship with Him and then be transformed by that relationship. So sanctification is a fancy theological word, a Bible word that means being set apart for holiness, being set apart for growth, being set apart for something. And so what this verse says to me and says to us is that God's will for us is that we be set apart. That is not easy because that's saying no to yourself. That's saying no to own sinful habits. That's saying no to toxic things, toxic relationships, toxic, toxic ways of thinking, all that kind of stuff. It's walking away from sin and everything else and saying, I'm going to grow in this relationship with God. Like, I'm going to listen to what he has to say in his word, right? Read your New Testament. What did Jesus say? Get to know him better and be changed by the relationship you have with him. So, again, that's, that's what he wants. And I just want you to know that this is a journey. And if you've ever been hiking before, or you've done anything like that, you know that that can be really hard sometimes, right? And it's like, oh yeah, hiking is so beautiful, but when you get out there, it's tough, right? It's tough, especially if you're hiking somewhere really difficult, and it can be dangerous. And so that is, that's life, and that's the sanctification process, is it's going to be difficult, right? So here's your question. Every single series I do, I try to have some kind of question that we can hang all the messages on to make it personal. So my question for you for this series is how can you, like, think through this process. So how can you take hold of the transformation that God offers you? I just, I want this to be very practical because God gives us the, like, clarity in his word. If you really want to know God and you really want to be transformed into his likeness, because that's the point of Christianity is to become like Jesus. If you didn't know, that's the point of Christianity is to become like Jesus. How can you take hold of that transformation that God offers? So just to make it personal. And like I said earlier, you're not alone in the journey. 
Here's what the Apostle Paul says. And I want you to hear this. This is the cool thing about being a Christian. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have to know that you are not alone. So this message, this series, is not about just try harder and you'll be better. You know, there is some truth to that. But at the end of the day, you're not alone. You've got Christian community, and then you've got the Spirit of God that is promised to us to help us as we try to journey with Him. Right? So in Romans 8, this is what the Apostle Paul says. God's strengthening us through this word. He says, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. So literally, the creative Spirit that brought all of existence in a blink of an eye, God's saying to you, that same Spirit will be with you in your weakness. Not in your strength, but in your weakness, right? No, you can't do it all. And that's okay, because God's going to step in. God's going to be there. You do your part in this journey, in this sanctification process, and God's going to do His part. So that's why it's so important to lean into Him, get to know Him, be in community, right? So I just want to start off by saying you're not alone. I don't want you to think this series is about just try harder and you'll be better. But to even tackle the idea, the first Sunday, of controlling your mindset... You might ask, well, why? Like, why, why can't we just be more practical and talk about what do I need to do? <clears throat> well, if you work with people, if you set goals in your life and have, like, tried to set other goals for other people, you understand that it starts here first. Because this thing here is tricky, right? We have to overcome ourselves first in a lot of ways to accomplish anything. And so if our, if our thinking stinks, what else is going to stink? The output. Right? Everything else is going to, like that stinking thinking is going to affect everything. Whether it's negativity, again, toxicity, whether it's like a sin mindset or just woundedness, whatever the thing is, it's going to be really hard to take any actionable steps if your mind's not in the right place first. So that's why I say if we really want to be in this journey with God and be transformed by Him, we got to tackle the way that we think. Because I bet, I bet, and I, every, almost everybody I talk to has this in common, there are probably things in the back of your mind that nag you, lies that you know that aren't true about yourself, but you believe them anyway. Insecurities that come up in annoying times, in annoying places, and in annoying ways, right? Little lies that just... And so it's like those moments you need to be like, no, all right, so I know that's not true. Because if you start to believe lies and you start to feed those, man, your goals that you set are going to be all messed up and all warped, or you just won't do them. Because you'll believe things like I know some people do. I'm not worth it. God can never love somebody like me. If ever, anybody ever knew what I was like or what I thought, if anybody knew what I have done in my past, if anybody, if anybody. And there's lots of those thoughts. I wish I could be and fill in the blank for yourself. Right? Healthier, taller, better looking, more athletic, smarter, right? Better at my job, higher pay, different car, different house, different neighborhood, different wife. I mean, Brittany, I love you. All right? And then, you know, whatever the thing might be. So that's what I mean by we need to control our mindset because I just know people. Like, I love people and I talk with a lot of people and I just know there's a lot going on up in here that is really opposite of what God says in a lot of ways. And so to start with our minds is really, really important. So let's jump into our passage for today. It's going to come out of Romans chapter 12. And a little context. So if you don't know the book of Romans, what this book is is actually a letter. So the Apostle Paul writing a letter to Christians in Rome. And if you want to know what Christians believe, read chapters 1 through 8 in the book of Romans. That really is like Christianity 101, and it's all based on the work of Jesus. It's like the whole premise is that, okay, Jesus actually lived, died, was buried, and was resurrected. Like, that actually happened. So if that's true, here's all these other truths. Here's all this other stuff that's based on the redemptive work of Jesus, the saving work of Jesus. 
And then 9, 10, and 11, right before this, he gets into like, so if God's completely in control, what does that mean for some of these like thornier, stickier, more uncomfortable areas of life? Like if he's really totally in control, like there's like, oh man, there's a little tension there. So he addresses that a little bit. And then he also talks about, what about Israel? So like if Israel were God's people, and now there's the New Testament church, Christianity, like well, what about what about the Israelites? What about the Jews? And these are still questions we're wrestling with today. Right? Think of the Middle East and what's happening there with Hamas and Israel. It's like, so if Israel, is that God's people? And how do they, all that, like, there's a little bit of that touched on in Romans 9, 10, and 11. So that's all, like, the theological, this is what we believe stuff. But then it's cool because right here in chapter 12, he takes a turn. And again, there was no chapter 12 when he wrote it. But in the letter, he takes this turn and he says, okay, if all that stuff is true, then there's a, a logical outflowing in your life. There's an expectation, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, there's an expectation on you. And this is what it looks like. So this, 12 through 16, this section here, uh, is practical. Let's take what we know and do something with it. That's Christianity. So Christianity, being a good disciple, is not just about knowing more about Jesus, right? That's just being a stalker, right? If you know a lot about somebody and don't really have a relationship with them, that's being a stalker, and that's frowned upon, right? There's relationship that's required. There's action because of belief. That's what Christianity is, and, you know, right? That's what it should be, at least. So let's read these verses now. Now we've got a little context for where we are. So he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, that's chapters 1 through 11, in view of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross for people just like you and people just like me, right? Jesus did that for us. So in light of that, then he gets into what he wants to talk about. I urge you, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And this is one of the most difficult things we can do, because this really is where the journey starts with God. This is a level of trust that a lot of people don't even have with their spouse, right? They don't have with anybody on this earth. They don't have it with a close best friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. This level of trust that he's talking about here is like, I don't have any reservations at all. I am willingly giving my entire self to God. That's what a living sacrifice is. And that, for most people, is really hard to wrap your mind around. Because most people, even with the closest people in their life, don't feel 100% safe with that person. Like, there's like always this little bit like, that we're kind of holding back or we're worried about. Because we're people, right? We're like, oh, I don't want to say that because they make fun of me. Or like, like this is like a, a, a completely different freedom in your relationship that Paul is saying is in step number one. So if you want to know God, if you want to journey with God, if you want to be transformed by God, first and foremost, what Paul is saying is you got to get to that place where you're like, all right, Lord, I'm going to give you everything. But what does that look like? I'll tell you how it looks for me. So I was about 20 years old. I was in the Marines at the time. And I remember I was crossing this field and it was like the baseball, rugby, football field, all this stuff. I was coming from the PX. I had a bag in my hand. So that's like the base shopping center. And I came across this field, and I remember stopping, and I remember looking up at the barracks where I lived at the time, and, I, and this verse right here just struck me. And I remember thinking, God, mm, I hear I was praying in the middle of this field, and I'm like, I, I really always feel like I'm more in tune with, with what's right, with who I'm supposed to be, like I'm happier. Like I remember not being able to find the words for it. And I said, but what I know, Lord, is that when I'm following you, that's where I'm supposed to be. I, and again, I did not know how to articulate it. I was 20 years old, pretty new in my faith at the time, but I was like, Lord, I know in my short little journey that I've had with you, whenever I'm close to you, I feel like that's where I'm supposed to be. And I remember 
in a kind of a scared way saying, Lord, I want to give you my life. Like, I, I don't want to hold anything back anymore. And I remember being worried and scared and apologizing mid-prayer in the middle of this field because I said, Lord, I feel like if I trust you with everything, if I'm like this right here that you call me to, I feel like you're going to wreck my life. I feel like you're going to make me prove my trust or my loyalty to you. And I remember being scared that, Lord, if I trust you, you're just going to destroy me. I don't know where that came from, and I don't know if that's how you've ever felt before, but that certainly was my moment what it felt like But I said, Lord, I know that's not who you are. I don't know you super well yet, but I know you well enough to know that just because I gave you my life doesn't mean you're going to destroy it. So it was a trust step for me, and I, but that was a line. That was a line that I crossed in my faith with Jesus because I literally just out loud in that field prayed basically this verse right here. But it was me just saying, Lord, I do. I want to trust you that way. I don't want to hold anything back anymore. And that's where I honestly believe I began to really know Christ. Like, that's where I really believe my journey changed with God because I was willing to take that step. And that's what Paul's saying. Right? So he says that, living sacrifice. And then again, the question of, of how can you take hold of the transformation God offers, also kind of implicit in the whole sacrifice thing, is that you let it happen. To offer yourself as a willing sacrifice. So I'm reading right now um, The Hunger Games with Asher. Katniss Aberdeen, Aberdeen, right? And so the famous thing, sorry, spoiler alert, happens pretty early. I, what does she do? She raises her hand and says what? I volunteer as tribute. Like, that's a huge deal. I know all my nerds are like, oh, get some, right? And so she does that willingly. And so it's just like the idea, though, that you would sacrifice yourself willingly and do that. Man, there is like something beautiful and powerful. We write movies and stories and books about that kind of stuff. And that is what God's calling us to. That like, all right, Lord, I'm all in with you, right? And that's, again, that's, you know, let it happen. So then two other things. So you make that choice of trust, and then there's two other things that are kind of ongoing. He says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So that's what we read together earlier this morning. But don't be conformed to this age. So let's go back to that part. That right there, this is 2,000 years old. This scripture that Paul wrote, this letter that he wrote to the Christians in Rome is 2,000 years old. And what this says to me is that, and when I read the New Testament, is that people don't change much. Sometimes it's like, man, what does scripture have to do? It's 2,000 years old or more, right? What does it have to do with my life today in 2020, almost four? What well, has to do with us because we're still, like our souls are still yearning for eternity. Our souls are still pretty aware that this is not right, what's going on in the world. Uh, there's something more to this. There's this hunger, there's this desire. It's been there for thousands of years in all of mankind. And Paul is saying, look, don't be conformed to this age because people and the issues we struggle with are pretty much the same. They're problems that present themselves over and over again just in different ways and new technology. And so what he's saying is, like, look at your life. Look at the world around you. Look at the culture that you live in. What is it offering you? It's why I talked about finances during the Christmas series. Because what does our culture give us as normal? Well, spend as much as you can and then just spend the rest of your life paying it off. Or if that doesn't work, then just file for bankruptcy, you know, and then or find out some way to not have to pay that. And it's like, rather than being like, no, I'm just not going to spend that because I've already got medical bills. I've already got all these other things. I've already got all this stuff, right? And so there's wisdom in Scripture to say, look, you got to put that stuff away. And I wrote some stuff down here because I, as I was thinking about this verse, I was trying to think of my own life. And please hear me first on this. I'm not saying that all culture is bad. There's beauty in, in the world that God created because he said it's good. There's beauty in our fellow man and fellow woman because there's like they're made in the image of God. I believe there's beauty in the goodness that we can do for one another. But I also believe in this context, we need to think about some of these things right here. 
Like, think about what the world has given us. If you keep drinking the same Kool-Aid, you're going to keep getting the same results. And Paul's saying you need to make a decision. You need to control your mind to stop that. So look, like when we give in to what the world gives us, we get things like addiction. Addiction is crazy on the rise right now. And not only is there fentanyl, but now there's another drug that's like bouncing around. It's like 10 times more powerful. And it's like, and people are always in fear of like, what's everything, what's in there? And everything is laced and all this. And it's like, and our souls are yearning and hungry for something. And a lot of people are trying to either bury in addiction or they're trying to find something in drugs and alcohol. And it's like, there's something that, are, that, that is on the rise. And it's like, and that's the world that we live in. So it's like, all right, what's going on? What, what better thing is there out there? What's offered other than that? And then you think about like the sexual stuff, like lust and pornography. Uh, like these things are killing us. They're killing our young men. Pornography is literally changing how young men care about relationships. There's so many young men that are literally saying they would n- rather not be in a relationship because they're going to get hurt. They don't know. They don't want to be rejected. They don't even know how to do relationship, but they can find what they need in pornography. But then they're finding that that's an empty promise, and it is killing them. And I see constantly online, like, hey, are you addicted to pornography? Here's how to find out, and like all these surveys. And it's like, this is not just Christianity being prude or religious people being prude. This is a real issue that's like causing real damage. Right, and young men and women too, and older men. It's like, and in churches, we don't talk about this stuff because it's awkward, it's uncomfortable. But the transformation that Jesus offers and offers is one toward healing, and it's one away from addiction and pain and the wreckage of this kind of stuff. Because we also see abuse around us a lot. We see anger, man, we are stinking angry people, we are divided. Right? We're prideful. We hate low-key racism all the time, right? I see people all the time just making, like, low-key racist jokes. And it's like, if you're a Christian, man, that, that's got nothing to do with you. Right? That's a person made in the image of God, whoever they are, right? But it's like some of these are, oh, these are softer sins. We don't worry much about, but that's a pattern of the world. We're disrespectful, right? You see a lot of that online. Um, man, read the comments section of anything. Anything. I remember, I'll never forget, famously, uh, I was at uh, dictionary.com looking up a word, and people were in fights in the comment section of dictionary.com. And one guy's going after somebody else's mom for raising an idiot. I'm like, wow, that devolved really quickly. This is like dictionary.com, and we're already into fights like this. But that's like, again, that's what comes out with the anonymity. And so then there's entitlement. You know, a lot of people do feel that way, and that's an easy finger to point. But I think Christians should be the least entitled people. Because here's what I know about myself. I'm not entitled to anything. Like, eternal life, for me, what Jesus did for me, I wasn't entitled to that. I don't deserve that. And that, I think, for me, reflects in my whole life. I just don't feel like I should get anything. Yes, I work hard, and yes, I'm going to do those things because I think that's the right thing to do. And I think that there, if somebody works hard for me, I want to make sure I, I bless them or let them know. But I just don't personally feel like I'm entitled because I know it starts with the gospel. I'm not even entitled to that. So I just don't want to have that mindset, right? Or being consumed by opinions and emotions. There's a lot of people that are driven by their emotions and what they think. Because if they feel it or if they think about it, it must be 100% true. And that's 100% not true, right? Because that's not always going to be the case. But we see a lack of hope. We see a lot of cynicism because of that. We see a lot of people just without peace. And so these are the kind of things that haven't changed. Because these are all issues that are addressed in Scripture. Like, all these issues are addressed 2,000 or more years ago, and they haven't changed. But they just have a different face now. And so Paul's saying, look, you've got to let go of all that. 
you have to make a decision that that's not going to be you anymore because you're in this all-in journey of transformation with Jesus Christ. Because you can't journey with God by embracing sin. So if you are, if you're trying to make excuses and saying, well, this is just how the way I, uh, the, how I am, how God maybe even made me, I think you need to like put a pause on that and say, all right, but is that really, am, am I really going to get to know God better by just being belligerent in my sin? Right? No, you're not. You're not. Instead, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this word transform that he used uh, probably looks like another word. So this be transformed in Greek, the New Testament written in Greek, is an outward change manifesting itself because there's a change in essence or nature. Now that Greek word be transformed is metamorphoste. What does that sound like? What English word does that sound like? Metamorphosis, right? So that's where we get our English word metamorphosis from. But be transformed means that you're not being fake. You're not just putting on this outward appearance of change. You're actually changed inside, like Jesus says, and then who you are on the outside is a reflection of that. So I remember somebody years ago uh, made a great example of this. They had a cup filled all the way to the very top. And they said, the question for you, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, is if I bump into you, if I, you know, cut you off, if I say something mean, if I make you look stupid, if I bump into you, what's going to come out of your cup? And I thought that was one of the best analogies for me ever to think, like, what comes out of my cup just regularly? Not when I'm, like, miserable or hungry or tired, like, you know, when I'm at my worst, but just in general. If somebody does something to me, what comes out of that cup? What comes out of your cup? Is it toxic? Is it, like, does it reflect the world or does it reflect the transformation? Is there any grace that comes out of your cup at all? Or is it just all hate and division and, like, all that kind of fun stuff that's, you know, swirling around for thousands of years? So be transformed. Be different all the way down, and that's where Jesus does his work. That's why I said earlier, you are not alone, because that's the work that Jesus starts in us. And I just want you to see, this is a common theme in the New Testament. How do I get to know God better? How do I be transformed by him? How do I actually do that? Paul planted a lot of churches. All the New Testament is, really, are the apostles writing letters to new Christians. Hey, we just accepted Jesus. Awesome. He's my Savior now. Now what? That's the New Testament. It's just like, this is how you do this thing now. And so here's what Paul says to uh, several other churches. So we said that to the Roman Christians, and here to the Colossian Christians, he says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So that doesn't mean, like, ignore this life. It just means make the decision to focus on God. Like, rise above what we see around us and some of the old habits that we have and just maybe toxic, simple ways of thinking. Rise above it and set your mind on things above. Because he genuinely wants to be known by you. He wants, to, he wants you to experience this transformative life. And that's messy. It's not easy. It's hard to do. I will be very honest with you. Man, it is best. But to do it, we've got to focus on the right thing. And then a few verses later, in verse 9, he says this. You have put off the old self with its practices, and you put on the new self. You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your Creator. Right? So I'm walking away from what was... And I'm constantly in this process of being renewed because of my relationship with Jesus. So this is, this again, is not an easy thing to do. I feel this constantly. I feel the weight of this constantly. Because as a lead pastor here, I need to exemplify these things more than anybody, right? Because that's what Scripture says. That the expectation for me as a pastor here is way higher than everybody else. Because I'm the lead example. And so in my own life, am I taking those old wounds... Am I taking those old addictions, old ways of thinking, all that stuff that was in my past, because if you know my story, it was pretty ugly for many years, 
Am I leaning back into any of that stuff? Am I making excuses and being like, well, this is just how I was raised? Right? Do I do that? Or am I saying, no, I'm a new creation now. I'm on a different path. I'm being transformed. So I have to do this as well. And again, it's not always easy, but it's best. Then he says to another church, in Ephesus, same thing, right? Remember, Paul's writing all these letters to all these new Christians. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And he says to these Christians, take off your former way of life, right? You're doing something new now. The old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. Again, you want to experience the transformation of God, you've got to wholly give yourself to that in that trusting relationship. Lord, I, I give you everything, and then, Lord, I trust you with the process, and I'm going to keep my eyes on you because now, apparently, I'm a new creation as a Christian, and I'm on a different journey now. Again, it's hard to do, but it's best. And then lastly, to another church in Corinth, he says the same thing. He says, we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This, I think, right here is our, like our souls reaching for the eternal. It's like, there's got to be more than this, and this temporary life is not it. And Paul's saying, no, absolutely it's not. We've got to keep our eyes on what is eternal. We have to stay focused, because he repeats this now to like four different churches. And essentially, what is he saying? If you want to control your mind, you've got to control what you focus on. Think about this in, in any aspect of life. Think very practically. When I was younger and I first was learning how to mow grass, I remember realizing that if I focused on a point in the distance, I could mow really straight lines, right? And I was like, that looks really cool. And I was like a teenager in high school. And then, but now, like, I got my own house and my neighbors, they have a pool, or they used to, right? And so I, sometimes they'd be out there swimming and I'd be driving and I'd look over and I'd start to wave or like mess around with my neighbor and then I'd look back and I'd be like three lanes over, right? And so I'm like, oh man, why? Because that's where my head went. That's what I was focusing on. What happens to Pastor Kyle when he's walking through his house and we have all these nice cookies that people have made for him? My focus all of a sudden finds that box. I've been there three times already today, but my focus finds the box again. And where do I go? Well, I follow my eyes because I'm a nice guy and I want to make sure that I eat the things that you made for me, right? But what I'm focused on is going to get my attention. That's where I'm going to go. It's just where we're going to go, right? And that's, that, I think, right there is a key. What I'm focused on is what's going to get my mind. Like, that really is it. So if you want to know God better, if you want to be in this transformative relationship, again, it's, it's trusting Him wholeheartedly, giving Him your life. That's, that's what it means to be a Christian, crossing that line, accepting Him as your Savior. But then it's that transformative process of keeping your eyes. That's why Paul is writing to all these new Christians so much. That's why it keeps coming up to all these different churches. He's like, you have to keep your eyes on God as you grow. That's how the transformation happens. That's how the journey goes. You keep your eyes on the right things. So in Romans 12, I just see these three steps. Deciding to trust God instead of the world. That's tough. Uh, two, deciding that what the world has to offer is no longer best, but you're not going to do that. And then three, that like, leads to you being able to understand who God really is. Like That's the whole knowing his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's like really being able to understand God better. Not that you're like perfectly have everything figured out, but in Romans 12, 1 and 2, we just have that little pattern there. And the hard part about this, just as a closing thought, is it, it's, it can seem like you're putting in a lot sometimes, and it's like you're just like kind of turning your wheels. But what I've seen over my life and other Christians that I really respect is that they have, a, they have a, an endurance. They have a peace about them 
like people that I've watched do this and follow this pattern in their life, you know, when I see something different in them that I want to emulate. And then I'm now seeing in my own life that I've been following Jesus for a while. But that, and that's, again, that's what I want for you. I want you to be like in this kind of journey with me to know God and be known by him. Because today, I want to like, just give you some examples. And I wrote these down, too, because I just wanted to, as I was thinking and talking with people, I just kind of jot ideas down. But for you, controlling your mind, controlling your focus, today may mean like, okay, I need to give my life to Christ. Like, I actually need to take that step and trust him, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've already done that, and maybe you need to say, all right, so I need to, like, I need to follow God like my life depends on it. Because that's different. That, like, being a Christian and then following Jesus like your life depends on it, like, that's, that's way different. That, that changes everything. But then also, uh, another one, the loneliness one. Like, I know a lot of people, they just feel like they're alone. Maybe it's time to, to change your mind about that and say, no, I'm not. That's why I have brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why I have a church community. That's why I have the Holy Spirit helping me. Like, I'm not in any way alone. But sometimes we've got to put ourselves out there. Like, we've got to build that community. It's why we have prayer services, why we have small groups, Bible studies, all that stuff. Because you're not alone. So maybe it's time to start deciding that you're going to live like you've got community and you've got the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, maybe it's time to do that. Maybe it's time to stop thinking cynically or making excuses for your sins and actions. Like, that's a pretty good one, too. Like, I'm going to stop doing it. I'm going to make the choice to stop doing that. Like Paul said, I'm going to reject that. I'm going to put that off, and I'm going to start following Jesus. But lastly, though, you know, whatever, whatever that thing might be for you, whatever the decision is that you need to make, I just want you to know that the transformation is available. Like, God talks so much about that, and so much of that, like, being in the journey with us, and it's like the whole New Testament. Again, that's why I showed us so many places, not to get us lost in the New Testament, but just to see Paul is bringing this up a lot because these people are new Christians and they don't know what is what. And he's saying, keep your eyes on Jesus. If you want that transformation that he offers you, keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on, on the goal, on the perfecter of our faith, as he says in other places. Right? Not easy, but it's best. I've seen it. I've experienced it in my own life. So let me pray. Lord, I thank you that you give us some clarity on how to know you. Lord, I, and wherever people are, wherever we are this morning, Lord, I pray that we would think about the decisions that... Um, that maybe we need to make, Lord, maybe just ways of thinking we need to change. I don't know what it is, Lord, but I just, I just want people to experience, Lord, what you've been so good to show me. And I pray that uh, wherever people are, that your work is going to do the work that only you can do, Lord. That's what we always hope around here, God, that the, the creator of the universe, that he'll step in and do the work that only he can. And I pray that in your name, Jesus. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quaybogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.